Radio. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and this is Stranger Than. Today, we are going to be talking to you about some stuff. I have a recent unexplained death that has occurred, or deaths that have occurred, and a couple Nessie sightings. All right, and I have a strange and unusual tale about a, well, basically a murder club. Murder club? Murder club. That sounds most foul. (laughs) It is indeed. Well, let's start off with the more reptilian and less foul thing of Nessie. This is as reported by edinburghlive.co.uk. And Nessie has been spotted twice in just under two weeks. Uh, This report was on August 7th of 2021. The person who only identifies himself as Mr. Vcock, not Peacock, but Vcock, was looking through binoculars and spotted what he believed to be the Loch Ness Monster about two-thirds away across the loch. The sighting occurred on July 20th. Vcock was around the north edge of the castle which is on the west side of the lock. It's about halfway down the lock on the west side. When he first spotted the shape, he believed it to be about a foot out of the water and about five feet long. However, later, when one of the boats that patrol the lock went past the same area, he noted that the shape was as long as the rear handrail on the boat, meaning meaning that the thing he saw was more like two feet out of the water and 12 feet long. Vcock claims that there were two others parked near him who also saw what he saw. This is the ninth sighting of Nessie in 2021. He drew a picture of what he saw, and it didn't have much of a shape. It looked just kind of like a rectangle coming up and out of the water. And it appeared to be taller in the back and kind of trailed down on the bottom. I mean, binoculars, unless he's got pretty fancy-ass binoculars, they probably was... Still a pretty small shape, you know, way off two-thirds away across the lock. The eighth sighting was a father and daughter who were visiting from Chester in England. It was July 19th when the two spotted water ripples on an otherwise calm water's surface. They had seen a cruise boat about 20 minutes before that, but nothing after that and until the anomalous ripples. And then in June, there was a man who claimed to have seen what was described as looking like a turtle shell, black with a greenish tint, swimming swimming against the waves. This was in the vicinity of the castle in Urquhart Bay. So, you know, messy sightings. Still there. Some pretty, yeah, allegedly, supposedly. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have done a thing where they went and did a genetic test on the lake, basically, where they just, or on the lock, rather, where they took a broad range of everything in it and categorized what they found, and they didn't find anything anomalous in there. And, um, I mean, water ripples and a shape way far off. I would just rather have a more up-close and personal Nessie experience, you know? Like the one where it's, like, on the fucking road out of the water, just, like, looking at you like, oh, shit, before it clambers back into the water or something like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I figure that we probably have better... Bigfoot sightings and Nessie sightings. Yeah. Something where, or at least maybe they're out on the boat and she comes up and 
you know, rams the boat or, you know, something. Something, yeah. Something like they that. They actually have three, I believe it's three boats that you can, that patrol, quote unquote, patrol the lock. And I believe it's just basically for tourists, you know. Yeah. You can, there's a bar and you can have some, like, like light, light snacks, like cheese and cucumber sandwiches and shit like that. And you just probably just taking people out to see if you can get a, get a, catch a glimpse of Nessie. Yeah. I think it'd be pretty cool. I mean, weather, depending on the weather, of course. Well, I think just going anywhere in Scotland would be pretty awesome, whether whether you got to saw, see Nessie or not. Yeah, but Nessie would make it the best. That would that would, that would be that would be pretty awesome. Although I would, if there was an encounter similar to some of our Bigfoot encounters, that would probably be probably be pretty terrifying, especially yeah, if you're out rather, on the water. Yeah, I'd rather not be on the water. I don't Mm-mm. think like maybe in the castle. Or just on the shore, but it all happens. It happens close enough, and like, holy shit! There's the goddamn Loch Ness monster. Mm-hmm. But not so much out kayaking on the lock and like, boom. Yeah, it's like, that's oh it. shit, that's definitely her. Yeah, that's that's not I'm not into that. Mm-mm. Not into that at all. No. Scary things in the water are just no. scary. Yeah, just anything in the water. I don't like the idea of having to be in the water so much like pool that's fine but a lake or a river is also fine actually but a lake or the ocean where you just look down and there's you can see shit and it's just i'm just not into that yeah not into it at all the seaweed and and just the weird things you see down there like the bits of trees or yeah or old docks or just shit like that. It just makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. Yeah, no, I mean, it just depends on where I'm at. I love the water. I'm part mermaid and I love the water. I mean, when we went out to the lake when I was up in Washington, who was the only adult who got into the lake and was swimming around? That was me. That That was me, 100%. So... I'm fine when it's something like that. If we're, like, in a lake in Florida, like, that would be different. Yeah. With the fucking alligators and shit. Yeah, exactly. Where there's, like, predators in the lake. Um, Yeah. Even when we went down to Texas and we were at the, you know, springs and, and lakes down there, it was a little, like, they don't usually have alligators in that part. They do have them in Texas in some parts, but. Yeah. Um, it was mostly like, oh yeah, water moccasins are a yes, thing that fucking snakes. exist. Yeah. But then again, it was, um, we're in places where it's, uh, lots of people coming to, to visit and lots of people swimming in the water and snakes don't usually like to hang around places where there's tons of people swimming no, around. Not so much. They like to so, kind of do their own thing without a bunch of fucking people doing people things right so uh, any apprehension i had about that it wasn't that bad because it was like well there's lots of people around so probably they're gonna be hiding if they are even in the vicinity bite someone else first yeah well let's hope so (laughs) let's hope so but that's yeah, it's all situational. The ocean, great, except for the time when I was doing it at nighttime with my brother, yeah. and then something was, like, brushing against my legs, and I'm just like, yeah. oh my god, something fucking touched me, and it's pitch I, black, and all I'm I could think about was that scene in Jaws. It's just like, Shook. dude, something touched me, something touched me again, I'm out of here, I'm out of the water, out of the water yeah. now. Yeah, no shit. Now, of course, after we did our Jaws episode, I came, I've come to learn that sharks actually do not actively hunt at nighttime. 
No. But you know what? They gotta sleep somewhere, so... It's not like they get up and get uh, out of the ocean in the middle of the night, and they're just like, yeah, done they for don't, the day. And they don't stop moving. Yeah, so... Because they have to keep moving in order to keep themselves breathing. So even if they're not, like, actively looking for something to eat, that doesn't mean that they won't bite you to see what you are if they happen That's to bump true. into you in the middle of the night. So, That's again... True. Yikes. Yeah, I don't like it where there's potential... For something that could harm you, and you can't see what's going on. Like jellyfish? So, just oh, not into the whole jellyfish that. thing. Suddenly they're just everywhere, and you're like, fucked. Well, especially when it's places like Australia, where it's Right, got where they this, got like, the Portuguese man of war and the blue box. Yeah, the box ones. Those are the ones that are like, that can be like fatal. Oh, yeah. So can the Portuguese man of war, and they got long ass mm-hmm. tentacles. It's just not. Yeah, like, that's not cool. So it, no. it just all depends on location, visibility, and the likelihood of something around to bite you. That's a very uh, <laughs> that's a very logical way to look at things, Joanna. Right? Well, <laughs> I, if, if I can do if, if all signs point to yes, I'm going to get in that water. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, why don't you tell us about your... Murder club? Murder all right. Well, this story is about the angel makers of Najirev. Julius Fizikis arrived in the village of Najirev, Hungary in 1911. She was the midwife of middle age whose past was rather mysterious. No one really knew who she was or where she had come from. Apparently, she was married, but her husband had rather mysteriously vanished. Mm. She did have strong references, though. Lots of doctors praising her nursing abilities, and with those references, she became the only source of medical care in the village. This is a village uh, maybe about 60 miles outside the capital of Budapest. Okay. Now, during World War One, Najira became a holding camp for Allied prisoners of war. Russian prisoners of war were drafted to work in the farms. Under the best conditions, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure, absolutely. With all the local men off fighting, the women of the village began having affairs with the prisoners. This, of course, resulted in several unwanted pregnancies. Like, well, everyone else is is gone, so I guess we're going to do conjugal visits. Right? Fazika is offered assistance by way of illegal abortions. She was actually arrested and let go several times for illegal abortions between 1911 and 1921. Probably the fact that she was the only medical caregiver in the village had a lot to do with why she was let go each and every time. Yeah, right. They're like, well, I'm going to break something or get sick or whatever, and I'm going to need her help, and she can't be in prison. So... After the war ended, all the men returned to the village. Many of them were suffering terribly from the effects of PTSD. Right, which will happen. Yes. 
Since mental health care was pretty much unheard of, the men dealt with it in the traditional way for the times by drinking, drinking. and beating their wives. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Probably by drinking and then by drinking and getting drunk a lot of times that, you know, invokes the urge to beat your wife. When the women began to complain to Fizikas, she once again came up with a solution to help them. This time, it was liquid arsenic procured from boiling flypaper in water. Wow. One by one, problem husbands became no more as Fizikas began bottling and selling her solution to end an unhappy marriage. That's hilarious. So she was like, husband beat you? Sick of your life? Exactly. Make it better. Take him out of it. The women murdering their husbands formed a sort of secret club. At some point, it had a roster of about 50 women. Wow. They called themselves the Angel Makers of Najirid. That's so funny. They even had a code of conduct, which included the following rules. Only married women may join their ranks. Single women were not allowed to kill a boyfriend, and men could not join in order to kill their wives. Also, children and other women were off-limits. A two-time member of the club, meaning she had murdered not one but two husbands, <laughs> Susie Ola became Julian Fizikas's right-hand woman, so to speak. Now, Ola's son-in-law was the coroner, so he helped greatly in covering up a lot of the deaths for many years. Wow. To any outside authority, it would only seem that Najirov had an unusually high number of heart attacks, strokes, and deaths related to alcoholism. For those that lived within the village, it was a little different. Men began to fear the prospect of matrimony, and there was talk of a curse over the town from evil spirits living there, <laughs> which was not altogether incorrect. Right. I mean, they weren't really spirits, but there were uh, some people killing some people. Exactly. That's funny. They're afraid. Just like, I don't know. I don't think we should yeah. get married. I'll die. People no, were like, terrified. No, getting married married is just fine. It's don't beat the shit out of your wife and you won't die. It's funny how they didn't seem to connect this. Like, I don't know. Maybe just don't do that and you'll be just fine. Oh, probably just because it was What's probably, wrong with beating your wife? <laughs> I mean, basically, yes. I'm sure it was something that was more like that. Just like, hey, everyone does it, you know. Right? It's, it's okay to take a hand if you have to. I mean, don't beat her excessively, of course, but... Go by that rule you know. of thumb. Yeah. Exactly. That's pretty awful. It's the same thing with children. It was just like, well, you have to beat this child for them to learn, and there's a certain amount of beating was acceptable. Yep. And that amount of beating becomes less and less as, as society progresses. As the years went by, the angels began to set aside their own rules for personal gain. <laughs> of course. Elderly parents, unwanted children, and even bothersome neighbors became fair game to the widows. Wow. Due to the number of years that the poisonings went on, we will never have an accurate count of the number of victims, but some estimate it to be around... 
300 between 1921 and 1929. Wow. So in, in eight years? Yes. It could have been many more, but the party came to an end due to the 1929 census. Officials launched an investigation into the alarmingly high death rate. Now, for years, terrified villagers had written to authorities claiming that women were poisoning their husbands and other family members and that, you know, who the ringleader of all these poisonings seemed to be. But since everyone always had a, uh, you know, natural cause of death listed, uh, they're just like, yeah, whatever. It's just villagers being superstitious, superstitious and freaked out. Mm -hmm. Villagers going to vill. <laughs> That's right. Now having it all uh, laid out and the statistics and all that in front of them, they're just like, oh, wait, there is something. It does seem like something is going on in this town. Let's take a closer look. Now that you mention it. It's like, ah, uh, you know, maybe we ought to rethink this whole, like, it's nothing uh, rationale that we've been using up until this point. Well, they brought uh, Fizikas and Ola in for questioning, but neither of them caved. The two were then released from custody, but unbeknownst to them, the police decided that they were going to keep them under surveillance. They were hoping that they could catch them in the act, because clearly neither one of them was going to fess up anytime soon. Right. They were going to scare them into it. Well, Fazekas fell right into that trap. She began to visit her clientele's houses one by one to tell them, like, hey, uh, the authorities have caught wind of this. Like, keep your <laughs> fucking mouth shut. But all that happened as a result of that was that the police noted every single house that she visited and, like, went in and arrested and interrogated the occupants. Right. Wow. Yeah, no shit. Just like, oh. Now I'm going to lead the police to every single place set, or every single person I've ever spoken with. Yes. Also, Fizikas and Olaf received some shocking news from another member of the murder club. This was a high-ranking member, a woman named Balant Xordas. She made a trip to the capital of Budapest in order to visit a chemist and find out if, in fact, arsenic could be found after a victim died. The chemist told her, yes, absolutely, they can still find arsenic. Even uh, if the victim has decomposed, arsenic can still be found in the hair and the fingernails of the deceased person. Great. So Balint goes back and is like, dude, if they exhume the bodies of all our victims, we are fucked. Yeah, no shit. Well, that very night... The three ladies and about ten other murder club members went out to the cemetery and decided that they were going to fool the police by moving the headstones of victims and switching them around with people who had died of actual natural causes. So that when they exhumed those bodies, they would think they were exhuming the potential victims, they would test them and find no arsenic, and they would get away with murder. God damn, that seems... I mean, this is just so, it's like a, uh, a Three Stooges bit. I know, right? Except darker and more murdery. Right, right, yeah. Well, 
the police showed up after they had only had time to move a few headstones. And when they showed up, of course, everyone just like, boo, scattered to the four winds, and the police were just <laughs> yeah, like, okay, right. we are done with this fuckery. We are going to start exhuming bodies right this second. And they did. They exhumed about 50 suspected murder poisoning victims, of which 46 tested positive for arsenic. Wow. And it wasn't just shitty husbands, men, women, children, and even babies. Along with the incriminating arsenic found on the bodies, there were also empty bottles containing trace amounts of arsenic found in many of the coffins, which was... So they I just, like, discarded the fucking Julian Fazekas' idea. She, I, she instructed them, like, you know, put the bottle, like, that you use in the coffin with them so that you bury the, get rid of the evidence. Right, you don't have like, it laying around their house. <sighs> Jesus. They, they probably slipped it into the pocket of the, you know, their, their funeral garb. Yeah. And then as things rotted away, they just fucking fell out. That's ridiculous. Yep. That's absolutely ridiculous. And this is just the ones that they, I guess, had strong enough suspicions to actually dig up or have been, like, you know, dead not too long. I don't know what the what the yeah, criteria right. was for choosing the 50 people. But of the 50 people that they actually dug up out of the ground, 46 tested positive for arsenic poisoning. Jesus Christ. Probably didn't need to go and upend it or, you know, dig up any more people because they've already got 46 bits of evidence. Right. And armed with that evidence, the police decided to go out and start arresting people. Now, Julian Fazekas, she was not going to be taken into custody. She actually drank the her own homebrewed oh. arsenic before the police. She could, from her house, she could see all the way like down the road, and when she saw the police coming down the road, she knew that, you know, like, that's it. The jig was up. The jig was up. End of the line. She drank her own poison and was found dead in her home with pots full of boiling flypaper and <laughs> poison <sighs> brewing, like, all over the place. Just found the factory. Exactly. Exactly. The authorities ended up arresting around 100 widows with 26 eventually going to trial. Wow. Now, Valent uh, Sordis, she was one of the people arrested, but she also was not going to get... She was not going to go to trial and face the music. She hung herself in a cell full of, like, several other suspects with the huh. bed sheets, and none of them uttered a word. They didn't try to stop her, and they didn't alert anybody that she was doing this. They just kept their I mouths shut. They just kept their fucking mouths shut. I think that even the other women of Murder Club, even though the ones that, like, partook in murder, they were all kind of scared of, like, these three. Boy, the, the yeah. top dogs, the Fazekas, Ola, and Zordis. Before she had hung herself, Zordis had confessed to helping murder some 20 husbands of, you know, other people, and a few of her own children, which she had decided she didn't want to deal with anymore. Just found them distasteful. Yes. 
now. So she hung herself with bed sheets. She is dispatched. The last of the ringleaders would be Susie Ola, and she went to trial, and the women who actually had to testify against her were also terrified of her, claiming that her eyes would glow red and that she had poisonous snakes and lizards that she could command to crawl into their beds if anyone betrayed her. Like, they were truly wow. afraid of her. Truly afraid of her. That's like some, they're like, I don't know. Wow, that's some serious shit right there. Yes. Now, eight of the 26 were given the death penalty, and among them was Susie Ola. They, she was hung in the gallows. Twelve of the women were sentenced to prison. Seven of them received life sentences. And I guess that would leave, uh, I guess, uh, five, because one killed themselves. And yeah, that means five that were maybe acquitted, didn't have enough evidence to support whatever charges were brought against them. And yeah, to this day, nobody knows how many were actually involved in the murder club and how many widows got away with it. Apparently, there were several bodies exhumed in the nearby town of Tizikert and were found to have traces of arsenic as well, but no one in that town was ever convicted. Crazy. They just, wow. So maybe they were doing dirty deeds for the the town next door too i think so and as for fazika she left no explanation as to her original motives for starting murder club and her her past prior to her arrival in nigeria remains shrouded in mystery so she just showed up with references started working and started, started doing killing. abortions and then started dispatching, uh, you know, intervening in unhappy marriages. (laughs) Yeah, man. That's, uh, that is quite a tale. Isn't it, though? That's quite a tale. So, uh, yeah, remember, don't, uh, you know, be a dick to your wife, because she'll fucking kill your ass. Arsenic. Yeah, also don't start a murder club using poison, because you'll probably eventually be caught. Yeah, yeah. Kill more responsibly. (laughs) Well, our last story of the day will be a very kind of a baffling case. It has happened just 10 days ago. On August 16th, the nanny showed up of John Garrison Ellen Chung's one year old daughter, uh, Miju. Uh, She, you know, she'd go to their house and do nanny stuff. So she shows up one day, August 16th, and no one's home. The truck's gone. The parents are gone. The child is gone. The dog is gone. No one's there. So I'm not sure exactly what she does, but around 11 p.m. that night, she calls up the police and she reports these people missing. So with a little bit of searching, you know, not too much, they talk to neighbors and find out that they were going to go on a hike. They lived close to a trailhead mm-hmm. of Yosemite National Park called Height Cove Trail. So they, I mean, they'd been seen getting ready like the day before or something. And 
So they go and the cops find their truck about two o'clock in the morning, right out and right near the, 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 the trail, like at the trailhead parking. It's just, you know, right there. So they start searching. They get dogs. They do all that kind of stuff. And after several hours, it wasn't until 11 a.m. on August 17th, so the next day, that they found the bodies of the family. They found the father in a sitting position with the dog and the child next to him, all dead. The wife was just a little ways away from them, up a hill, also dead. Mm -hmm. There were... There, there was no evidence of any violence, no blunt force trauma, no gunshot, no stab wound, no ligature marks, no bite marks. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, one of the things you're thinking is, oh, maybe they got bit by snakes, but snakes bite with teeth, and those leave bite marks. They found their stuff with them. Mm-hmm. They found a um like hydration pack with water wow they just don't have any clue so they they take the bodies and they do an autopsy mhm doesn't turn up shit uh, they've sent stuff up to, to to toxicology but those those results won't be back for quite some time uh they sent a dog oski to be to have a, a what do they call it? A, a necropsy? Yeah, a necropsy, which is basically an autopsy for an animal. Didn't turn up shit. They had also searched the area and found no other dead animals. There are mines in the area, and the mines exude carbon monoxide. So they're thinking maybe they got poisoned from a mine, but as of, I think, two days ago, they didn't believe that any that there was any sort of toxic stuff from any from mines on the trail where they had been found that would have poisoned them and killed them. There is a toxic algae in the area, which is very, very bad for you. Mm-hmm. But they don't have signs of that. I mean, they don't know until the toxicology comes back. Right. And that sort of thing, I don't think would kill them quite so quickly, usually, because it's like a microbe thing. and. Yeah, I read about this and where they suspected maybe toxic algae, but didn't really say, like, why that would be suspected or anything really other than maybe. They're just just throwing shit Because they don't really have it. Yeah, they don't really have any other clue as to what happened. Yeah, they have have no idea. So the... It was like a 109 degree day. Mm Mm-hmm. But they had all that water. Right. They did find a cell phone, and so they were able to get the warrants and all that shit. They need to get the cell phone. That was sent off to the FBI for them to extract the data from it. Now, there is no cell phone coverage in that area. So all of the people that were searching had to use um, satellite phones in order to communicate with each other and uh, like walkie-talkies and shit like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the area was called Devil's Gulch. Yes. That they were okay. found. So, I mean, they didn't find a suicide note. Like, they're just fucking dead. They're just fucking dead. And it That's crazy. reminds me of kind of a missing 411 thing, except they're not missing. Missing. They're but dead. But it was at a national park. 
but there is running water nearby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yosemite is a big hotspot, too, for stuff like that happening. It's one of the the highest number of, you know, missing 411 cases and just there was weird a very, shit happening. very young person involved. However, mm-hmm. uh, the two other people were, by all accounts, just friendly people. They yeah. One of them worked at Snapchat, I think. Mr. Garish worked at Snapchat, and Mrs. Chung, she was getting a degree to be a family therapist or something. And they had just moved away from the city. They had lived in San Francisco. They just moved out into the country because during the pandemic, they're like, well, we don't necessarily have to live in the city. And mm-hmm. it's, I'm sure, cheaper to live out in the country than it is in San Francisco. God, yeah, San Francisco is just gross Expensive. and yeah. way overpriced. The fact that they have the dog, too, is also kind of significant, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very strange. It is. You know, tracks, I mean, completely baffling. Completely baffling. That's another one that I will be keeping yeah. my eye on to see what sort of thing develops from it. Because I would like to know what exactly happened to those people. Right. Even if it was toxic algae, how the fuck did that happen so that it cannot happen to me? Because that it's like, did they all go swimming? And were they just swimming and that's what happened? Or is it something like drinking water uh, that wasn't, uh, you know, properly uh, sanitized? Like, how well, the I don't know. I mean, fuck did that happen? That with the drinking water, they're not just, I mean, they're a mile and a half from the trailhead. Yeah. If they were out of water, they'd be like, okay, well, let's just walk a mile and a half. Right. And I doubt, I, I mean, I imagine that the water they brought was water they got from a faucet or yeah. from a water bottle, not just from some river in right. a place frequented by humans. That's never so, a good idea. Yeah, if it's toxic algae, how the fuck did that happen? Because that, that freaks me out. Again, you know, I love to get in water and it's like, dude, yeah. I, I don't want to get like poisoned by going swimming in some lake, which I think is otherwise safe. Well, you can see it. I mean, it's, you can completely see it. It's, it's this foamy stuff sometimes or it's you know it's it's visible on the water it looks mm-hmm. gross you see it sometimes at uh canyon or uh, uh cottage lake cottage lake park yeah yeah we go there sometimes to bring our kayaks in and the, the you can see this shit on the water and it's mm-hmm. like and yeah. they always have and, and especially at a place like this where it's a fairly i mean it's a fairly major trailhead to mm-hmm. a major national park they're going to have rangers all over that place yeah and so i'm sure they have like a person's job is to go out every day right. and check the waterways for algae so if it's there then usually that then they'll post something like hey don't go in the water it's yeah poison. no animals no pets don't yeah. eat anything that comes so... out of the water uh so yeah, pretty pretty wild. Yeah, pretty wild. Let's I didn't definitely see... keep up on that because that's it's awful too. I mean, just the yeah. whole family and their dog. The whole I mean, family. I mean, yeah. how the baby was like what one years old or something. One year old. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Miju, I think, is how it's pronounced. That's freaky as fuck. Yeah, definitely, and it's just. For nothing to show up on anything, for it to yeah, be like just a we complete don't know. mystery. Yeah, I mean. Healthy young people and one-year-olds don't just randomly die all together, no. and the dog all together yeah, at the same no, time. With yeah, that's very strange. Well, I think that is about it for this episode today. Again, it's a little bit of a short one, but I'm going to give you the same excuse I give you every time, where it's summertime, we're doing stuff. Yeah. You know? 
Summertime is lazy time. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, we'll try and get back to uh, you on the updates of these of any of the stories that we come up with, you know, as as they become available to us. You can check us out on any social media places that we are just by searching for Stranger Than or Stranger Than Podcast. You can check us out at the radio syndicate we belong to, ageofradio.org slash stranger than. You can listen to our episodes there, and then on the ageofradio.org site, you can take a look at, or take a listen to, rather, tons of other podcasts, and there's a bazaar as well, so you can take a look at the products that are offered. Send us any sort of encounters you have with the shadow people, aliens, um, black-eyed children, you know, any weird shit, any stories you have, any hauntings like that, send it to strangerthanpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to tell listener stories. They're lovely, and the listeners are lovely, and so everyone deserves a little bit of loveliness. There you go. You can join our Patreon. If you would like to have ad-free episodes, you can join at the $2 level. That will be both episodes per month with no ads. Uh, for $1 a month, you, we will give you a crisp high five if we ever do see you. And for $5 a month, you get, in addition to the ad-free regular episodes, also a true crime episode. And I think with that, we will talk to you next time. And stay strange.